And welcome back to the Adventurer's Vault. Chapter 1 of Return to Faradon is over. And before we move on to Chapter 2, I sat down with the cast and asked them to reflect back on everything that's happened so far and how they've gotten to this point. So listen in. I, I found it actually very interesting to hear it from their viewpoint for the first time, and hopefully you will too. This is the Adventurer's Vault. Follow our epic journeys and hear amazing tales. Join our heroes as they bravely face grave dangers and mysterious evils in distant and unknown lands. Be sure to visit our website, theadventuresvault.com, for episodes, links, and show notes. Music and sounds provided by Sirenscape. And now... It's time to open the Adventurer's Vault. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, the good news is you guys have now all finished Chapter 1 of Return to Faradon. So uh, you survived. There were no actual deaths, maybe some near deaths, but no no actual deaths. But e chapter except one for half the town and hundreds of kobolds yeah, and pirates. That, well, party deaths. Also, uh, it counts like, nothing to you, don't they? Yeah. They, they, they five, five children that got murdered by like some super cancer. Yeah, that's yeah, just they, kinda... they, that was you know that's all in the background. No PCs died. All, all oh, of your characters oh, are no still one, alive. No one important had anything bad happen to them. That's the important. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm just thinking of um, Knights of the Dinner Table are there too. So they're just NPCs. <laughs> they're, yeah, yeah. It's nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. They don't. They're not. They're hardly even people. They're almost like kobolds. <laughs> I I think of them as voters and constituents. <laughs> <laughs> ah, a good point. Which means they're worth even less. <laughs> oh, Ooh, ouch! Dang. So you know, let's go ahead and 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 take a few minutes and let, let's reflect back on chapter one. I know it's kind of the preamble. It's setting up the campaign. Uh, while although there are some plot elements, there's a lot more to come. So just kind of tell me, uh, like, you know, from the player standpoint, uh, tell me a little bit about Chapter 1. What did you guys think? What did you like? Clearly the worst part of Chapter 1 was the judging. You guys would agree, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. right, in terms right. of that, it was, it was run. Uh, so. Obviously the loaded dice, too. I thought, oh, yeah, the cheating dice. I the storytelling was pretty weak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Also a lot of bad rules calls. Yeah, and, yeah, no uh, doubt. Just unfair treatment in general. The slurs I mean, were a little much. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, especially the ones off air. Yo, yeah. We got real deep into Oh, some, man. I mean, uh, it was like... Ooh. I felt personally attacked. Well, right. he attacked you that one time. True. We grabbed that pencil. With the cane? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, and the cane. I forgot about the cane. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. He was just a... I feel like I need another drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then there was the Mission rampant alcoholism. That was hard to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, so. hey. Stay in your lane. Okay. <laughs> so, I just can't. Keep doing my drugs over here. You guys keep drinking. It's all good. Stay in your lane, Sean Bowski. Anyway. No, a lot of times <laughs> Awkward silence. there was many thoughts where it was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, we're going to die. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it was always interesting and exciting. I mean. So, so you're surprised that you're still alive. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, there, there was the... There was that one point where we had, like, live on air learned the rules for dying. Several how, times. How close Brad was to just snuffing it. Yeah, so close. I mean, that would have been a major blow. If only we had, <laughs> if we had tried a little <laughs> harder. If we <laughs> rolled a little better. God, dang. We could have gotten rid of him. Have the, have the <laughs> only so interesting close. character die. <laughs> oh, dang. Oh, man. Ouch. <laughs> Shit. All right, well, I don't even need to be here. I can just walk away and let you guys fight it out. That's Death right. match to the end. Dun, 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 we're, dun, all, dun, dun. we're all a set of two puppets in our own theater mm -hmm. talking shit about each other. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. The, uh, the, the 18 fights in a row is interesting. That yeah. was a new mechanic. Yeah, I listened yeah. to episode 18, which today went up, very recently went up on uh, on YouTube, and uh, there's a moment at the end where, where we, f we fought uh, like three enlarged pirates and then... And then Rich goes like, and you can see the next battle waiting for you next time. And we're all like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a reoccurring theme in uh, season one. But did you die? <laughs> Almost, yeah, actually. <laughs> you, you, Several you, times. You keep saying that, and it's like, you know, a couple times a die roll was slightly different. And they'd be like, yes, indeed, we did, Richard. We died. Thank Clive you. Clive died. Thank you. 
Mm-hmm. Who's Clive? Yeah, you didn't have to murder the player. You could <laughs> yeah, have just killed his character. Jesus. I was going to say. Uh, when did I make that joke? Episode three, I think. Mm-hmm. That we edited it out of player. <laughs> it's definitely a joke and not real. I will, I will say that, uh, well, actually, with, with regards to that, that was a, um, I, I enjoyed that last fight. You know, once we, I think once we kind of figured out what was going on, where it was like, okay, your resources are gone. This is a, how resourceful can you be? You know, what can you do with the barest of abilities and how far, you know, can you take it? Um, and I thought it was a nice, really kind of a nice transition at the point that we we were fighting, 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 lots of dice rolling, lots of that kind of stuff. And then it trans, uh, transformed into kind of, you know, it wasn't exactly a chase, but it was ultimately, uh, or a skill, uh, what, what did they, we used to call those things? Skill, skill challenge. challenge. Skill yeah. challenge, yeah. It wasn't exactly that, because I think it was better constructed than just about <laughs> every single one that we used to encounter back in the olden days. Um, but, it, but it went from uh, just being, uh, you know, combat to what we're going to do something really dramatic but yet you know you still have to use your character their abilities their skills you know the other things like that and 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 that especially in the setting of a prolonged encounter uh ultimately um i think that really worked and Mm -hmm. and though it 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 pains me physically to give credit to richard for this i have to to, unless it will in fact unless it will get me some sort of benefit with my 2.0 edition character in which case god damn it richard brilliant uh, no, I have to. I give him credit uh, for that. Was a that was a fun way to do that sequence. I, I think that was a good time. It's one thing I want to incorporate more. Chapter one was a bit awkward since it is kind of a, a scene setting chapter, and you know, Ferdon is a dangerous, deadly place. So it needed to be deadly from the very beginning. So, so I'm, I'm glad that that came across from a storytelling standpoint. Uh, but going forward, you know, encounters are going to be a little different. Not that there aren't going to be dangerous combats in the future, but I, I definitely want to add more dynamic into it as opposed to we're all just trying to survive. In, in my mind, this is the um, the Indiana Jones section of the movie where you know he, he just he's getting the crap beat out of him the entire time, but he just doesn't stop going, and that's what kind of what Chapter One was as I was developing it. So, but uh, chapter two is going to have a little different feel, and and uh, when we get into it, hopefully you're going to experience that and understand it. For the record, I, I like that kind of <clears throat> gaming. I mean, I at the end of the day, I want my character to feel like, uh, you know, I was moments away from not succeeding. You know, I want it to be, I want it to be a challenge, and and uh, and that may just be, you know, <laughs> having you know having started with first edition back in the day. Yeah. You know, we were always grinding for it, and you know, uh, but it was good. <laughs> I I, I also say grinder. No, I'm just grinding for it. Yeah. And I was remembering last third. Never mind. That's a sound. That's a sound clip. We'll that's keep right there. Right there. I agree. I did actually because like I do and I didn't didn't like the the very much like how difficult that was because we were always constantly just every episode like oh my god we're almost dead we're running out of resources, which made it very different especially even story wise like how we would interact because. Now it's all just like, yeah, we don't get that rest. We just keep doing big fight after big fight after big fight. And there's a certain point where we're like, dear God, help us. Mm-hmm. And Alder did. <laughs> yeah. I killed at least one of the uh, the ogre pirates, so I can at least check that off. Haytham does have some of my uh, favorite moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love some of the moments where he went off on, like, Father Becker. <laughs> It's like we need to preserve this book, and he's like, no. <laughs> that, you know, I've listened to that sequence again too, and uh, yeah, it was got uh, voices were raised, uh, yeah. on both sides in that too. Yeah, that was an interesting. Uh, I think it was well played. Uh, both, you know, I, I think in terms of um, how Becker would would view the idea of doing that, and how Alder would. And granted, we don't have the full, you know, all of Alder's backstory yet. Um, but we've got hints, and, and you know, it, it seems that he's he's triggered uh, by certain things, and I could see him, um, well, frankly, being rather irrational about this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Apply a little bit of logic and common sense, and uh, preserve these uh, items so that we can uh, take the fight to the bad guys. You know, and, and you know, uh, for the listeners, like we're not scripting this. I, I'm not going to say there hasn't been the occasional text fly around between a few people about uh, you know maybe an idea or a thing here and there, uh, but most of that stuff, especially. Uh, a lot of those, uh, my favorite scenes anyway, and I know, uh, Ethan, you got a couple of those with Atham, uh, those just happened. 
that was just players at the table coming up with stuff, getting into their characters. Sometimes that uh, that sound of shock that you hear in other people's voices, that, that's for real as they're learning some of these things. Yeah, ge- genuinely true. I mean, I can, you know, clearly <laughs> there's there's aspects of Asherion I was thinking about the other day. Occasionally, you know, these mysterious and, and sort of... Um, you know, you know, clearly he's had it rough at various times and it's affected him. And, and you can see that come across at, at various times. Obviously, Alder's got uh, some secrets uh, that we're starting to get, kind of learn on. Although a lot of times it's the listener, I think, that knows more than the players do <laughs> yeah, in, in some cases with regards to Alder. Yeah, you guys, so, you guys don't know shit. Yeah, I'd like to mention that, like, while we're here, like, just many times that we've recorded the episodes and we're going along, how many times I've seen Brad do something and I'm just like, okay, yeah, sure, uh, who cares? And later on I go and listen to the episode and it, and then it hits me that I'm like, God dang it, he's setting crap up for his character right there. Now, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say that because uh, having some inside knowledge on some of the backstories of the characters here, I will say that if listeners were keen... Uh, there were things that are dro- have been dropped in numerous episodes that people have said that seem rather innocuous, but if you know where that's leading, uh, during the editing process, there's been many times I've actually missed some at the table, and I heard it later, and I thought to myself, well, son of a gun, listen to that. Hmm. And uh, so there's been some clever drops out, out here. Yeah, I'm, I'm mind-fucking y'all pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just God dang it, Brad. Because you knew, you knew that all of us were going to hear it. And you did perfectly. I, I didn't know you would hear it. <laughs> yeah, you, no, you Wait. knew we would hear it, but you just like you guys listen to our episodes. Yeah, <laughs> here's the deal. If we're, like, we're probably the only listeners. <laughs> <laughs> there are episode five, four four listens. Episode six, four downloads. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because I download it to my phone and then I listen to it over and over. So I don't even like help our own like listener numbers go up. <laughs> Give me every device in the house. You're not wrong. <laughs> okay, so what about um, the story overall? What, what would you consider the the significant plot points up until this point from chapter one? Uh, I, I find the last couple of episodes where we're really like piecing together what Port Hallbeck is and its constituents and who's there. That was all real interesting to me mm-hmm. because now we're not just in the woods. Like, oh, there's trees. Neat. Now it's like <laughs> this is a now this is a living city with dynamics and the 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 PCs are involved and a little more invested. I I, I like that. Yeah, I also like it because it gives us like a it like just the little meta here. It gives us kind of a headquarters kind of place. This is the place that obviously we're we'll be going out in the woods doing adventuring probably more because you know we're that's kind of what we do. But now it gives us a place where we know, and we know what's there, and now the town's being built, and we are getting a little bit of an estate set up. My man's Brad over here with that that thought. And like that gives us a, another headquarters, like a, a place for us to be able to hit up and be able to buy stuff from, meet people at, whatever we need to. And it gives us more story elements to work on, so now we can like talk to Rob the Builder. And <laughs> he yeah. he has a backstory now. Yeah. After after listening to that episode myself, I'm like, you know who needs a backstory? Rob the Builder. Uh, <laughs> Most important NPC. So he does. Yeah. <laughs> so he's Gilgamark the whole time. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if he had that purple haze going on and he was all made of bone. I mean he's like a skeleton dude. Yeah, yeah like so my, like my general contractor. Yeah, yeah I mean you know? it's well, standard, I didn't, but I didn't want to racially profile him, so you know I couldn't. <laughs> Here's the deal. When the house is built, if I'm satisfied, he can he can take over. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's the new mayor. Yeah, that's fine. Be... Whatever. Yeah, I feel like the um I feel like the cult scene we saw and and a lot of that oh. knowledge and a lot, a lot oh. of that knowledge we got from the book and everything is to me like the most significant from like a metagame like player I can see like that's a big part of the overall story. I feel like that was really significant and the whole like beginning arc kind of I like how that wasn't the entire for like Brad said we got all that Port Hallback stuff and I kind of like that setup in the beginning and foreshadowing there. I, I will say that scene is the most triggered Alder has been. Like, yeah. if you have to pick a moment, he was the most triggered at the, that. You know, what was funny about that one from from my end, as, as you know, some, I crafted the scene, and then I, I came, we recorded the episode, it played out, which very unexpectedly, by the way, 
that episode ended up, uh, I had to split that into two episodes because of just the way it went here at the table. And it was interesting because I know these guys that I'm gaming with and I know pretty much how far I can push it and what we can do. And it became more of a question of how far can I push it on a podcast that's going to be listened to general listeners. So I was actually a little surprised when everybody was that invested in it. Mm. Um, you know, not that it isn't dark content, but honestly, we've we've gone pretty dark before in some games and in some pretty twisted places sometimes, more than we probably care to admit. <laughs> more than wound up on the air. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was what was um, on the air. So, it, you know, it was unexpected that everybody got triggered that much, but it, it very quickly took on a life of its own, and it was so interesting to me that I, I never bothered to stop. All of our characters have daddy issues. <laughs> I do like, too, the contrast, especially for, like, that portion of the cult scene between, like, say, Alder and Haytham, where Alder's like, this shit again. More or less, you know, like, right. I've seen some shit similar to this. This seems like something from my past coming back. Whereas, like, Haytham, this is like, this is the worst shit Haytham has, like, ever <laughs> seen, and it's not close. <laughs> so, like, I like that sort of contrast yeah. between, like, experience and inexperience and kind of leading to the same results almost, in a way. You know, if we're going to talk about the cult of the scene, I don't think we can blow past that without talking a little bit about Father Becker. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that was very, very pivotal there. The uh, I was actually going to mention that, too. I mean, in terms of if I had to pick and, and you know, again, I hate to give credit, but there are a lot of good moments, <laughs> um, I think, in terms of, of plot throughout the whole thing. It's interesting to see multiple th plot threads happening, you know, in, in different ways. But, you know, obviously for my character at the the point at which the you know the cultist you know points to you and says <laughs> oh you're the chosen one you're going to bring about the end times and then kills yourself and you're like oh shit because <laughs> as richard has said you know we, we there's we don't know about this ahead of time i mean i i you know i had the the bones of that character and i, I kind of ran it past him but um that was a complete surprise to me <laughs> Uh, as much as it was to the character, you know, whenever he actually encountered it. And so, well, and again, I, you know, looking back at, you know, as I would write these episodes or these plot points, because I don't script out episodes. I have general ideas. I have NPCs. I have plot arcs. Uh, but, you know, I like to let things just kind of emerge at the table. Uh, but I knew that I wanted that to happen. And that actually, that idea came very early on. Shortly after Sean first came to me with the idea for Father Becker, somewhere right after that, I kind of knew how that was going to fit into the story that I already had uh, already had built. So I, I, I crafted that, and then it, it played out beautifully. And the, the trouble, though, like I said before, I've played with these guys quite a bit. Uh, we know each other, and that makes it really difficult to write stories because we've we've gamed a long time. We've seen the tropes. We, we know all the things. So to try to come up with things that are interesting enough for a group that has seen it all it's a little difficult. It's kind of like buying a present for the person who has everything. So it, it's been it's been difficult. And honestly, there's so many times I had my fingers crossed that either they hadn't already figured it out, that they didn't know Bruce Willis was already dead, or that... Motherfucker! Uh, mother <laughs> oh, God damn, I was going to watch that tonight. Or that uh, maybe um, they would be like, oh, that's that's uncool. Actually, someone did ruin Sixth Sense for me. Oh, really? Yeah, they told me he was dead. Oh, that sucks. And, uh, halfway through the movie, I'm like, oh, motherfucker! Yeah. And the whole theater was looking at me like, what? <laughs> Shoot. I, I might just uh, mention, too, that, um, you know, I like, I, I really like that plot development from the aspect of uh, uh, of my of, of my particular character, Father Becker, because at the, at the end of the day, I, I think it's probably true. I think other people who game with me here at this table would probably agree that I tend to like to play characters that are kind of scoundrels. You know they're on the they're on the side of the good guys, but they're not maybe you know they're not totally wearing a white hat. You know you are a good guy, but that does not make you good guy. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and uh, I also like to play characters that are kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know if goofy's the right word, but but I, I tend to like to have that have some sort of you know weirdness or maybe not totally seriousness. Quirkiness. About yeah, exactly. And this idea of a of a priest who or you know a guy who's a you know, frankly, a, a former kind of con man who suddenly gets powers and, and, and then has to try to hide the fact he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And then um, suddenly find out, oh, you might have a significant role to play in something. And it's quite possible you're one of the most dangerous people on the continent. 
I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, that that is great. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> just, I mean, I want to be, screw with me. That's great. That's the kind of thing that, <laughs> yeah, that, that I that, want in a character. That journey is actually pretty exciting to me, too, as well. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, I don't know anything about my fucking character. Yeah. We're like, all right, well, let's see what happens. Oh, a rock appears. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. rock, huh? I was that so was, anticipating. That was such a great did, did moment, you, by the way. Did you know that that was going to happen? Uh, no, I, t- okay. I told him that I'm like, hey, here's something you got to be prepared for. Because when I can cast second level spells, I'm going to cast spiritual weapon. And it says it appears in the form uh, that is sacred to my deity. And I'm like, I'm going to find out something about my yeah. God. Here it comes. And then he's like, it's a rock. And I'm like, you got to be and fucking kidding me. And my God has autism. <laughs> yeah. I, pretty dark sometimes pretty dark yeah, yep. and that yep. paid dividends later on i mean like with episode 18 you like used a sling or something we're all like ah. uh-huh. yeah <laughs> like, look at this. here it is again mm-hmm. and, you know i am glad that sean because like i said sometimes we do text a few things around and he had he had given me the heads up on that because that's not something i had considered i i i do know what's going on there this is something i have crafted i sean doesn't know and uh, nobody else knows uh, but I hadn't really considered situations like that. So when he texted me, I had to stop and think. I'm like, what What would happen in this situation? How would this play out? And I, I was even amused at myself when <laughs> I thought of the answer. I'm like, well, it has to be something like, oh, you know what I could do? <laughs> and then when it played out, I'm like, well, like, apparently everybody was amused by it as I was. Because I thought it was funny. Yeah. We're going to get good mileage out of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was expecting like a great sword, you know, a giant shining sword of force or or maybe, you know, something, you know, I don't know, like a morning star, mace, or just whatever, you know, and, and it's a rock. Will it become a boulder when you level up enough? <laughs> I am sure it will. You, I expect it to be so, yeah. some sort of higher level Pokemon. It's, a, it's the same damn rock, but just bigger. <laughs> That's going to be every time it appears. It becomes hard rock. We see, oh, we see Becker oh. all excited, like, guys, guys, look. And we're like, yeah, it's a rock. And he's like, it's a bigger rock. How much bigger and we're, it is? And we're all like. Oh, he's an idiot. <laughs> I, I will be excited when Ozzy comes down from the sky and is like, Becca, you walk cleric. <laughs> That's a terrible impression, I know. That explains a lot. You cast like divine intervention or something and he just... And Ozzy shows up. Sharon. <laughs> like, dear Lord, which way should we go? I already like if we ever fight a giant what, bat lord? <laughs> lord your words are mysterious to me much like your many actions in the, the way you almost seem to randomly determine whether my spells fail or uh, that's another thing we hadn't talked about uh first time i'm casting a spell he's like i'm gonna roll these percentile dice for no particular reason hey your spell fails i'm like god damn it really what the hell's going on uh you know there's actually something that's going to come up very soon plot wise um that pertains a little of that. I, I think you'll find it interesting, but it's going to happen uh, really soonish, as in maybe if <laughs> just a, at the beginning of chapter two. No, oh, interesting. Uh-oh. You, the episode where you go through your backstory, Sean, is one of my favorites um, for multiple reasons. Like going in, I knew you were going to give your backstory. So I was trying to prepare like disappointed Alder statements. Mm-hmm. Was was really not coming up with much, to be honest. And Ethan just started lashing at me for like a oh half hour. God, I was great. like, oh, thank God. Yeah. I don't have to do anything. That, that was, uh, I, I, was, was the best part. This, this you know, long, he dramatic monologue. bit you over a and table. Just over like, and over. I was like, I don't have anything. I don't yeah. need anything. You murdered a dead man. I'm like, no, I didn't murder a dead man. I felt bad because like, I want to participate in this. I feel like I should add something. But at a certain point, I'm like, God dang, Ethan, I, you are putting him <laughs> on full blast. I like, I have nothing in my repertoire right now that matches what Ethan was bringing. I was going to stand back and be like, yes, yes, what he said, well, and, bad man. And that was, <laughs> that was probably Great. the episode that I was most nervous about recording because it was going to essentially be a monologue. And I thought to myself, this is the episode where, hey, let me tell you about my character. And that's boring as hell. So I was so worried that this was just going to crash and burn, and then it happened, and it, it's also my favorite episode so far. Mm-hmm. P- part of what he's not saying directly is that he also knows that Sean doesn't know when to shut the hell up. <laughs> he's like, Jesus Christ, how long is this guy going to keep babbling on during this Well, time? and I, I think the story progressed where it was like, yeah, we need some beans spilled, or like the right. knives come out, because there's so much shit going on around your character at that point. We're like, what the 
what yeah. is going on? Yeah. Man? <laughs> well, I kind of figured you guys, honestly, and I think Richard did too, that you guys would, would pin me down earlier and go, listen, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. You know, then it kind of came up naturally anyway, but that, I, I thought that would happen sooner in the storyline. And, and you guys were so worried about other things. That... Well, well, you know, honestly, I was concerned about it several times, and Shearing was too. Problem is, is it's like, wow, that's strange. Father Becker doesn't seem to be. Uh, fully sure about that casting. However, I'm about to get my jugular ripped out by this other guy, <laughs> so I can't really worry about that. I, I, the, I think the running theme for book one or whatever, chapter one is we'll deal with that later. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Like, yeah. You see yeah. this crazy shit. Okay, but we're fighting for our lives right now. We'll deal with that later. Just <laughs> like pinning that on the on the uh, cork board. Asherian has gr- purple glowing fangs. All right, well, half the party's unconscious. We'll deal with that later. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, um, during some of the downtime, you guys will learn this a little bit. But that's part of the reason why you guys are also heroes is because you came back. Uh, that's not happening a lot. And the fact that you guys were not only came back, but were out there a long time and came back. That at this point, it's been pretty rare because there is terrible crap in Faradon. Uh, not only just the, the creatures that are there, but all the things that are happening. So for somebody to have made it back, they just assume that you are mighty heroes. You must be, right? So if we just camped outside of town for like three weeks and strolled back in, they'd be like, oh my God, you guys are heroes. Maybe. Or, they did it again. <laughs> and, we're, and, we're, and I'm like, oh, this farmer's tan's coming out. What? <laughs> Plot twist. You just go chill out on the beach for like three weeks, just like drinking some... T- like tropical drinks just come but back see, and like, like yeah. the fuck are you getting tropical drinks in Faradon <laughs> I couldn't get red wine you motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have Mai Tais yeah. fuck you <laughs> you had to settle with white it was terrible I, oh look God. the Mai Tai goblins have returned see, <laughs> and, them. the lack of civilization it's just my god yeah and here's how twisted my mind work works as a judge like I hear that and now I want to write an episode where there's a scene where you guys come across people doing just that <laughs> where you're heading somewhere else and you come across their camp and you're like, hey, guys, aren't you supposed to be out doing the thing? And they're like, we're getting to it. Not just <laughs> camping here leisurely by this creek. And then we kill them and take their stuff. It's a mighty fine tear. Should be a shame if something happened to it. We're not murder hobos, <laughs> we swear. By the way, speak for yourself. Every we're damn day. We're murder homeowners. <laughs> we demand respect. You're a murder homo? We're, we're gentry. What? We're landed. That's we have right. the right to vote. That's a good point. I mean, we're, I'll have you know, we're murder voters. There's a difference. Uh, technically, yeah. technically, it's my name on the plot, though. So. Well, yeah, Father, Father Becker owns I, a plot. I, I oh, yeah. Too. It's not as swanky, but, you know. You guys are my dependents. I have to start church. I think you mean constituents. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Well, permanently indentured servants. Minions. Do, do I get a tax break for sheltering three murder hobos? Um, no. <laughs> That's bullshit, Rich. God, once again, denied by the judge. Give me a break. Obvious call. Obvious. Make it. I was going to mention something, too, that I have to give props. Uh, you, you brought up the, uh, the, the time whenever <clears throat> we did my reveal, my backstory, and then and Ethan laid into me. Everybody, I think every character in this podcast uh, contributes great stuff in, in different ways. They do. Um, but uh, I got to give props to Ethan, who, uh, if you're paying attention to this podcast, he slips in the best lines yeah. uh, over and over again. I mean, his his uh, command of that scholar character, that kind of fish out of water in the wilderness character. Um, but, uh, I mean, they're just they're just on target all the time. And, and sometimes we breeze right by them, but especially on the on the listen past, or the, excuse me, when you when I listen to him again, I'm like, hey, I'm like, God damn, another great line from yeah. Ethan, just so totally in character. And, he he's and, got the straight man like bit where like he doesn't always say something, but it's usually solid. Yeah, like when it stuff. comes in. Mm-hmm. Another one of my favorite scenes was also another one from uh, Ethan over there. Was after we um, the blockaded the. Um, entrance to the um, hall, Port Hallbeck and we get on the shore and we're all like at like 5 HP and we're like <laughs> we gotta resuscitate Father Becker and the like pirates are like we're gonna we're gonna get you for what you did and he, Ethan is just like do you know the day I've had <laughs> that was that was something I had kind of like in the chamber I was like like after after like three and four or five however many episodes of just like combat 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 it was like at a certain point, Hatham's like probably gonna have that point where he just like snaps. 
You know, and we had talked, I think like Brad had mentioned, like at some point the nerd rage will come out, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like, here's, here it is. Here's the moment. Yeah, and, and from a character standpoint, like Alder really respected Haytham in that moment. Because it's like the barrels are empty. There's nothing left. This could be it. And Haytham just steps up is like, you know what? You want maybe fuck all of you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and like, we're all hurt. We're all tired. And Alder's like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Come get this. It, it, you yeah. know, it, it's it's kind of it worked out to be great because once again we didn't plan this. I know uh, uh, Ethan says that maybe he had some of that in there, but it's not like he told us. So when it okay. just happens that way, when it just uh, pours out that way, it, it's funny how that created like a bonding moment from a storytelling standpoint. Uh, but but it just happened. No, we we didn't craft this. It was just the characters working together, and and for me that was delightful. It, it was just these moments, like that's that's what I do this for. That's what, the whole reason I'm in this, and there they were, just coming right out. Yeah, because in various ways, like the characters rub off on each other, and I think Alder's always had that like angry, dogged determination. Like, all right, let's, let's to the end, and I, that was rubbing off on you a little bit, you know. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I do think Haytham is like very much in my wheelhouse. Of Sean talked about, like he tends to play like a scoundrelly kind of character. I've kind of gone back to the fish out of water sort of character a lot and i think hate is definitely in my wheelhouse in in a lot of ways i i think it i think it definitely seems to suit you and actually what you what you speak of uh, too i think also highlights something i think that that is true about the the party makeup in general and that is that um, you know that character is dead on for the for a scholar in the wilderness, and I mean you you built him just right. And and Alder, you know Brad, his your character and, and Sherian, everybody built characters that I think in terms of their actual physical, you know their physical, the actual nuts and bolts, the, the numbers behind their characters. I don't think anybody really truly optimized. Everybody built characters in terms of the nuts and bolts that were true to the character concept. Now, we didn't build characters that were entirely, um, you know... Useless. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we're, we're, they're not worthless characters. Yeah. But nobody, you know, built like the, these... I'm, you know, every single stat is optimized for a trip into the wilderness. None of us were like yeah. that. And so I, I enjoyed that interaction, especially in some of those earlier episodes, where we all kind of realized, like, you know, we, we may not be the best people for this job. <laughs> <laughs> this may have been a terrible error... Yeah. Um, and everybody, I think, kind of played through that in their own sort of way. And you're you're absolutely right, though, because I, I mean, I took performance as a uh, proficiency <laughs> <Yeah>. simply <laughs> because I thought the scholar background, like he might have taken like, like theater or something, yeah, yeah, right? He took choir. So like, I, I had to drop that for something else because of some feats I like retook, which we'll get into. But like. That yeah, was definitely, yeah. you know, like, and I had room to do that because Alchemist gets a lot of skills, but like, that was, that was something I thought of too. I think it came across. Yeah. That's one thing that I've always held as an opinion is that if you're wanting to make a character that's very story driven and is all about their backstory and stuff, because very often we get to like, if we're just playing like a new module or something like that, we might typically just make characters that are very stat based rather than actually having stuff behind them. I've, I've always liked the idea of building a story and then making a character that fits for that story. So like for Ashirian, there are several times where I could have taken a more optimal choice. Like I could have taken heal because I know the party often is running short on healing, but I always took harm because due to Ashirian's backstory, it makes more sense for mm -hmm. him to have that. You're also selfish. Yeah. Uh, what I find hateful. What I find most interesting about that is what the listeners don't know is that before we started this podcast, we did some test episodes. <laughs> uh, and they will never see the light of day. Awful. So you join our Patreon. Really bad. Um, so these character concepts that they all brought initially, the first the first practice was a huge crash and burn, <laughs> and the the characters just simply did not work. Uh, now you might think that everybody went through and came back with new characters, and they didn't. Everybody tweaked their characters in small ways, and it was amazing how very quickly everything gelled and meshed. Everybody, the basic backstories, the classes, all of that didn't change. Uh, they changed a few little things about the personality here and there. Actually, I think, Brad, you were the one that made the biggest change, because initially you were mm -hmm. leaning rogue yeah. and went back to fighter. Uh, other than that, pretty much they were just all little character tweaks, and it was just enough to make everything turn into the party that we have now. But initially... 
Um, it, it was it was awful. It was really bad. <laughs> well, everybody brought to the table. I'm the mysterious aloof stranger that yeah. is slightly disinterested in what's going on. And literally, we were in a tavern, and Rich was like, there's a scream outside. Literally every villager got yeah. there before we did. Yeah. Because we're like, we're too cool and aloof to be worried about that. We're going to brood in separate corners. Literally, separate yeah. corners of the fucking tavern. We're talking to each other, and we're like, this is the most uninteresting podcast ever. <laughs> It, and you know it was great because I didn't even do anything other than I just kind of sent that episode to everybody. I said, "Here, have a listen," and everybody started texting me like, "Yeah, we got to fix that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was just bad. Like, like one of us can be this character. <laughs> Only one of us, though. Everybody else has to like mix it up a little bit. Even normally, like one character who's like, "I'm in the corner on my own." I'm normally like when I'm running him, I'm like, "You shouldn't play that character." And then like, like he said, I mean, it was it was like screams, huh? I've heard screams. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, cuz I was a rogue. I'm like, I ain't going first. Fuck no. that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'll be a little more fightery jump out in front now. Yeah. But and that's pretty much what everybody did. They made some minor tweaks that made them a little less broody loner and uh give them a little more reason to to be involved and very quickly it came together, but uh it was a learning experience, that's yeah. for sure. I also think the uh the setting has informed a lot of where I approach character creation at the beginning too, because I wouldn't have really thought of the uh, the character exploring a new world if I hadn't, you know, had that pitch of the new world concept for the setting. I think that helped a lot as far as just the the concept of you know a naturalist, almost like a like Paul Bettany and Master and Commander mm-hmm. was sure. so good. part of like the bones there. Where I was like, okay, how do I make this setting work? Because like. Certain backstory elements don't work entirely if it's like, well, everyone I know is like across the ocean, so like they're not going to show up. Probably they might, but like, it, it's you know, fu- it's a different dynamic. It's funny you mentioned Master and Commander because that was a big influence. Yeah. On my character, nice. like, I, I've always loved Age of Sail stuff, yeah. but yeah, that one is, which is interesting because I didn't build a campaign as this is a John DC campaign. You know, I didn't. Well, you should have. It's trash. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know, then we have two characters that are very much based off of, or not based off of, but influenced by uh, the same movie in different ways. Yeah. I have to admit, I like. Wait, I'm Jack Aubrey. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I just hit. Sorry, Aubrey Morton. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I like the the style of adventuring. You guys just sort of alluded to this, but um, you know, the idea of, um, well, frankly, you know, the Indiana Jones sort of thing. You're exploring a a, uh, a wilderness area, you know, that has some ancient ruins and and secrets and treasures to unlock, that sort of thing. I mean, I like lots of different styles of, of uh, role-playing adventures. Um, and, you know, city-based campaigns are fine, you know, and things like that. But I, I like the idea of, you know, my character going out to the wilderness and, and, and finding adventure, if you will, kind of in a traditional sense. And so I think that that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Before I really even developed the campaign, when I was first initially kind of thinking about Hey, I want I want to put together a campaign. So this was actually even years ago, and I kept thinking about worlds. Uh, you know, I know a lot of us here were big Greyhawk fans. Um, you have the different settings. You know, Galarian for Pathfinder. Uh, you know, you could have the um, you know Faerun if you wanted to to go to Forgotten Realms. There's a lot of really great settings out there. And it took me a while to realize the thing that I was struggling with making fit is that all of those settings are so well developed that everybody's pretty much a one day march from a village or a town. Or, or something that's civilization-like. It's almost impossible to not be. And I realized that, that that was what was rubbing me the wrong way. That's what I wanted to change. So I initially started wrapping around this idea that there is somewhere that doesn't have that. And uh, that was one of the major elements that I, I came up with early on. It works. I think it's a mm-hmm. it's an interesting setting. I think the backstory is interesting. Admittedly, I might be a little biased since you know there's a, <laughs> you're the chosen yeah, one. Mm-hmm. I'm the chosen one. I need to start referring <laughs> to myself in my regular about me. life. Well, the hook is there. It's like yeah, this is mostly untamed land, mm-hmm. but there was a hundred yeah. years ago there right. there was a civilization here, and that's a pretty like that's a really good hallmark of any D D setting. I think I've heard like. I've heard a couple of people say, like, any good D&D setting is basically post-apocalyptic, where, like, there is the bones of what came before, and that's, like, what you're exploring, kind of, and that's an important aspect. And I think it has that hook 
along with, you know, like something that I haven't seen like often, along with the usual stuff I'd expect. And that's, it's good. It has that familiarity and the new kind of equal parts. Yeah, well, I really enjoy it too, because like, as far as things go, um, the like post-apocalyptic kind of setting has always been one of my favorite settings in general. And I'm not just talking like, oh, this is post-zombie apocalypse or post-nuclear, like just any kind of like post-apocalyptic, because that gives you the like, you're exploring this area, but it's been explored before. You can follow the path of civilization that was once there, and you can try to uncover the story of what happened as you're uncovering the story of what is happening and what is going to happen. It gives it the back, gives it the past part, which is... I feel like it's one of the parts that I really like, too, and often gets overlooked in a lot of stories and stuff. You know, uh, some clever fool will Google this, but I worked at a place for a very long time. That one of their favorite company sayings uh, is that if there is no past, there is no future. And, uh, of course, this place uh, was kind of themed around a, a previous setting. That's why they came up with it. But that that's very much an element that somehow leaked its way into this setting, probably unintentionally, maybe intentionally, I don't know. And that's kind of what you have here, that the past is really deciding the future, or is it? I mean, we're we're running into elements of it. It's just this team has been so focused on just surviving mm-hmm. that it's like, well, there's just not time yet. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> We've also gotten, like, some good lore bits and stuff. And, you know, even, like, inner character stuff, like... Like some of the scrolls we found in, was it the, in the first or second tower? Uh, one of the two. Yeah, the first ghost some, tower. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like some related to Alder's story. and. Yeah, I knew nothing of, about that either. That yeah. caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys were really great about that, by the way. When I first said, hey, bring me character concepts. And I believe I've said this before, but for new players, especially the... Uh, the inclination is to try to make a very well-crafted, tight storyline that nobody can screw with. It's mm-hmm. like, I've thought of everything. It's all here. And the experienced players uh, go with the, the hurt-me-daddy theory because <laughs> um, they know if you give the judge these things, the, uh, a, a, good, you know, a clever judge will use them against you in some way. And uh, like everybody here did that and has been great with it, and that's been really amazing to the point where I've always been excited about how quickly all of this fit into the storyline I already had in mind. Well, I always thought, like, if you have a one-page backstory, throw it away. And if you have a 20-page backstory, throw it away. Mm-hmm. Like, f- find the middle. Leave leave yeah. cracks for people to do things with. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that Father Becker's was very, very easily fit into uh, the storyline to the point where it felt like it should have been there. It felt like I should have come up with that idea to begin with. And the rest of them are really pretty close to that, although we really haven't gone down that road. Uh, I know, like I said, Alder, there's been a few I've thrown at you. Uh, there's been there's going to be a few more coming along, and you know it, it's amazing how easily they fit into the story. And I don't know if that is just a testament to uh, us having known each other and and game that maybe we think alike, or is it just uh, the fact that if you craft things correctly, they'll always fit. You know, maybe maybe it's that. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting uh, topic to look at in today's episode of philosophy of gaming. So <laughs> well, and, and Ethan can attest. I I. I bag this tactic a lot is I have stuff and at some point a GM will do something and then the floodgates open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I think that's uh, I think like speaking as a, a DM who's, who's DM for you, Brad, I think that's something that you engage with a lot is the like reveal. Oh like, yeah. Curtain, I get, I get the off. curtain comes back. I get off on that shit. And, yeah, definitely. Now it's like, how do I bring new subverted expectations to this? And that's the hardest storytelling, I think. You know, it really is. Uh, like I referenced this before, but, you know, there's so many experienced people at this table. I'm constantly having to ask myself, what do I do that they're not going to either see coming or that if they do see it coming, they're going to be able to work with it? You know, that they're, they're going to be able to take it and run with it. And sometimes it's almost like a relay race. You have to just find the right moment to pass that baton and let the, the players or some of the players take away with it and then be ready to, to grab it back when it's your turn to, to, to go back. And it's unpredictable because you don't know what they're going to craft ahead of time. And if you do, it, it doesn't come out the same. If, if, I, if we did script this, uh, it's, it's not going to play out the, the same way. And honestly, I think it's more boring. So to, to not know but try to be prepared, it, there's almost an excitement in that moment of what's going to happen. Yeah, definitely. And I think you, you did well in the, the, it was the second to last episode of Chapter 1, I think it was. 
the whole the whole bit with Hatham and he gets called back into the the Asmodian <laughs> and that yeah. all like speaking of like what a player engages with and and how a DM works with that I think you did a really good job because I I'm not always into like that backstory reveal the way same way Brad is like to mm, me like crack. at the table like playing the character out and those kind of things and seeing like the arc from start to finish and like you know that kind of thing I think is something I engage with and you like at, at, the time, at the time of this recording, we have not heard that episode finished yet. I can't <laughs> fucking wait. I cannot wait to hear this. So, you know, uh, like and once again, from this side of the table, here's what was interesting about that, because I, I didn't, it's another example of, I didn't know where that was going to go. Yeah. I, I knew I wanted to mess with Hatham that, Hatham that way, because Hatham is so much a different character. Uh, your backstory is so different than the rest, and I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to get into it, uh, and, and so I accidentally give anything away. Yeah. But yours is very different, so it wasn't as easy to screw with as, say, Father Beck or or Alder. They gave me these nice juicy plot hooks, and and there were obvious places to screw with them. Hatham, it wasn't as obvious for me. And then I f I finally came to the conclusion that the way to screw with Hatham is to put him in situations to see how he reacts, not yeah. to drop a bomb in the middle of situations like I say with Father Beck or, or Alder. But to put him in a stressful situation, give him that rock and hard place, and see it, where how he squeezes out of that, and that's what I meant to create there. And it honestly went way further than I thought it would go, but it was just so much fun that I, I yeah. let's keep going. D discomfort is such a big element of your character. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Because it's like the the contrast again of like experience and inexperience, and like Hatham is, you know, like like a, a Shirian is. Uh, very experienced. He's like a war vet and all this. And then Alder, to an extent, too, he's a, a sailor and he's seen clearly seen some stuff. And even Father Becker was on a ship and, you know, robbed a dead man, whether or not he <laughs> liked to admit it. I'm calling you out, Father Becker. <laughs> yes. yes, round two begins. <laughs> it's just thievery with extra steps, Father Becker. Can the dead own property? Have we settled this? I don't think that's why. Again, it right. falls to his estate. God damn it, I'm here on behalf of The wife and child got um, You know... He what's, adopted a whole colony of orphans. What's then, funny you know, about that is like, well, it's at sea and he was dead. And there's a bit of alter that's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, maritime duh. law. Like, <laughs> there are no nations at sea except pirate nations. On apparently. the boat, if the guy's dead and you need it, you need it. Yeah, I needed it clearly. I Look just wish him, you had found some underwear while you were. Well, you know, I, I've learned one thing about my God. He prohibits strictly prohibits the use of underwear. <laughs> That's the <laughs> only tenant you know is, is free balling. It took, it took a lot of staring at this, at this journal, but that's what I've come up with. I've composed my first hymn to my unknown god, Free Ballin'. <laughs> free Ballin' in gust of wind. The great commando god in the sky who says... I guess we should be glad your spiritual weapon's not a nutsack. That's right. Well, you <laughs> never, it is a rock. You never know. It could be evolving. So <laughs> Soon there will be two like rocks those and a stick. That, uh, your god has a metaphor for grow a pair. Mm -hmm. Right. I had a point when I when I started saying all this, but I got said, "Don't hide your light under a bushel." <laughs> Show the world. I said, "Your light, not your wang." Well, light wang. Oh, so I wanted to point out the fact that you were talking about, you know, Ethan's uh, Hatham being put in in between a rock and a and a hard place, you know, and the, and how how long that sequence went whenever he was negotiating with the. Uh, uh, the priestess of Asmodeus. <clears throat> and I, and what the listeners don't know is that while that was going on, you know, we were all at the table. I mean, obviously you hear us commenting and, and giggling and things like that while it's, while it's going on. But the thing was, is that poor Ethan was just <laughs> like, like you could see on his face that he really, it wasn't just a character thing. He really didn't know what to do. Wrapped <laughs> with indecision. Yeah. And, and, I don't know how much, yeah. how much of the dead silence will make it into the, on <laughs> the air. Probably not much. Yeah. But it was an ag it was a pretty agonizing it, decision. It took a good like, half hour to come to that Jesus moment. Yeah. I know. <laughs> right. And a lot of that was like, would the character do it? Wouldn't he? Like, how much of this is a player choice and how much is a mm -hmm. character choice? And like, how do I like? Everybody has a price. The two. And I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost not sure I made the decision entirely in character, but like, but also like. And see, for me, some of that was intentional. I I, I admit that I did that. 
because I looked at Haytham and how he acted, and Haytham's the logical guy. You, you're the this you're this uh, Starfleet's version of Spock, and you know since you're the straight guy that way, was that a little too weird? No, uh, <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. So since since you're that guy, you, you're going to make the logical choice. So I, I'm like, I'm going to present him a logical choice that feels wrong, yeah. and see where where Haytham goes with that. And that's kind of what I meant to do there. So it was interesting to see yeah. uh, to see both the character and the player struggle with. I see no reason to not do this, but it feels wrong. And I think the like natural curiosity is enough that like it's justified that like he might just go for it. Like, <laughs> you know, like he like that's the whole reason he's here in this place is is he wants to to find out. He's just a naturally curious person. So like that did play in a lot what's kind of funny is too is while you were struggling though and, and you're you, and genuinely your face had a look of like ah, i don't know what i should do here <laughs> but if you looked around at the rest of us who were kind of keeping quiet because we weren't in on that negotiation we were all we, giving you like the stare all like, look, like oh, do it yeah, yeah <laughs> like <laughs> quietly giggling yeah. it's like what yeah you, gonna do? you ought to do it because then we're gonna kill your character we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna rip you a new one just let it happen i can't wait let to it. abuse player knowledge and metagame the <laughs> oh, shit out of you great we're gonna make him so uncomfortable <laughs> oh yeah i can't wait for this character development later on <laughs> so uh alder and hatham uh, you know we've got some like the inspiration you guys both kind of went to master and commander uh i you know i got kind of interested in hearing uh from father becker and Asherian on the same topic are there any inspirations that you drew from maybe you i don't have any straight up movies but were there themes that you looked at and said this is kind of what led to, to father becker and or Asherian? mikhail's navy <laughs> <laughs> i mean not too far. Well, Go ahead. Honestly, yep. for Asherian, a lot of it was because I personally have always been very interested in the 20th century and a lot of the history, though. Not necessarily like the ideas, because there's a lot of bad ones, but the, a lot of the thinking that went down there and a lot of the political moves and not just the wars of how it was so intense and rough and how horrible they were, but a lot of the political scene and how governments worked and how life was in the 20th century not just talking world war one world war two but also throughout the entirety of the cold war and the wars that subsequently came from that and so part of Asherian's inspiration was from my interest in that and also um personally because my grandfather was in involved in the vietnam war so part of that was also interested was interesting for me and i feel that part of that ended up being becoming involved in Asherian's backstory which, uh, you know, the rest of us are all offended that you keep referring to the 20th century yeah, as history. Say, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Gavin is the, easily the youngest one here at the table, but... Uh, so, so, some of us spent 28 years in the 20th century, <laughs> I'll sir. have you know, it did happen in the past, so it technically counts. Well, I know we haven't gotten very far, but there's definitely elements of PTSD that we've seen from Ashiri, and, it, and very... Almost at no point has any of our characters asked another character a question. They're like, hey, where are you from? <laughs> What's your family yeah. like? And I'd like to get more into that, to be honest. But, well, yeah, because that's another one of those, uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. I mean, if you think how our origin, we were just kind of thrown together. We happened to be standing next to each other whenever uh, Carlisle came up. And then, and then we didn't initially really trust each other very much in those initial episodes. And, uh, and then we've been, as you said, too busy just not dying. Mm-hmm. To really, I, I mean, I guess theoretically we could have had lots of conversations on the road, but yeah, psh, who knows? So, you know, um, going back to kind of the inside information, so that initial scene where you guys uh, are recruited just because you're the four of you are standing together, you have no idea how long I agonized over that scene because I kept thinking of trying to think of a way for you guys to get together. What's how do I take these backstories? How do I put them together? And how do I have that happen? And I I sought out an opinion from someone else, and I just kind of gave them the situation. And the the person who was really honestly kind of half paying attention to me at the moment just said, "Well, why do you need a reason? Why couldn't it just happen that way?" Hmm. And I'm like that. That would, that would work. How <laughs> many campaigns start just like that, though? Like, you're in a bar, someone says something. Right. 80%? I think, I think it's one of the things, is like, we all agreed to play the game. Yeah. So, like, why are we... That That's, like, always been my philosophy of, like, hey, someone new is joining the game. Like, you see that guy over there doing shit. 
We do shit. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> yeah, we could do that shit together. I, and I, he's like, yeah, we could. Let's do it. I have been known like, to do shit in the past. I could do it again in the future. That, <laughs> that's that like yeah. suspension of disbelief. It's like, yeah. listen, to, to move forward, we need to just blind trust that guy for a minute. <laughs> like, uh, we all say no. Campaign over. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, like the four guys in the four corners don't yeah. don't, <laughs> don't go pay attention to what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. I, the Actually, end. That was your reason. You're like, I can't have these idiots not. <laughs> Fine. Look, you're standing next to each other. Now you're chosen. You hear a scream. We don't go. The world dies. <laughs> the end. And that's when the sun turned off. Yeah. Oh, what? No. Oops. Guess we should have gone check out that screen. We should have seen what that was about. Yeah, you know, they they had the beer on special, and my food was about to arrive, and it's like I don't want to step but outside. It, any it's good D and D story is an avalanche that begins with the pebble, you know, mm-hmm. and just the hey, we go out and do some things. The pebble. We don't yeah. need the pebbles backstory all the time. We just just go. Yeah, well, I've look. I've even asked players point blank like, how do you all know each other? And it's like improvise something. Tell me. Let's go and just. Banged his mom. It'll... <laughs> <laughs> hey, thumbs okay. mom's got it going on. You know, it'll be interesting if we end up saving the world at some point. Years later, when they were telling our glorious uh, story, they're like, and how did they meet? And it's like, they were they were just standing in the right place at the right time, and a shiver will go down the backs of all those people. Like, <laughs> what if they'd been standing 10 feet further apart? <laughs> it all could have gone to hell. Well, that's like how you start the story when you flash back. Uh, you're probably wondering how we got here. Well, had they not been standing together? Well, and yeah, you know, but there's also like the flip side of that is like Alder will fight with any of these guys. Could I tell you Hatham's parents' names in character? No. Mm-mm. Also like, out of character, no. No, yeah, <laughs> no, no. Okay. That require a backstory, Ethan. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have a 20-page I, document that you are not permitted throw to Throw it away. You don't have the password. <laughs> it's in Google Docs and it's locked. Five-page max. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, honestly, though, I'll say that I, I, I actually, um, I've always got an idea of what the backstory is of my characters, but I've actually seldom even gotten it written down. And part of that's just because um, I, 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 I try to come up with a character that is kind of unique each time. And I'm sure that people who role play with me are like, no, I've seen certain <laughs> things you repeat. You're not Mr. Original. But I, I tend to need to walk around in the character's shoes for a while before yeah. I sort of figure out, oh, okay, this is kind of what their personality is going to be like. This is their shtick. And then sometimes details of their background emerge from that um, whenever we're playing. So by the time they're done, you know, the campaign's over. I've got a pretty good idea of uh, where they are and where they came from. But initially, it's it's often just a, uh, well, I got a, I got a thought, and let's run with that and see what happens as we play. But So what was your thought for your character inspiration-wise? Well, in fact, um, hey, what a great segue, actually. <laughs> Dang. Dang, Alder. I know, Ooh. smooth shit. I'm telling <laughs> you guys, you got to give that man props. Um, you know, honestly, I, I didn't have a specific character in mind, like, oh, I want to play one like that. But just kind of in the vein of con men everywhere. I mean, if you, if you, I was trying to think of, a, of an exact analogy. Your people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly. I was thinking of, uh, I don't think like, um, like, uh, Paul Newman or Robert Redford's characters from The Sting would be quite right, but maybe Robert Preston from The Music Man, you know, mm. he comes to town. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, to that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of gets wrapped up in everything. I'm not going to sing the Wells Fargo wagon as a cover down the street or anything <laughs> like that, but... So um, we should be expecting more musical numbers from That's you. right. I'm going to break into song. I can't fucking wait. We've got well, trouble. Right we already have so yeah, many. Yeah. We have the first album already produced. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, we, we should be getting royalties <laughs> from that any day now, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, I can say we do actually have one song we have recorded... <laughs> Um, that's that, true. That, that, oh. The commercial one. <laughs> yes, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that going to see the light of the day? Um, I, you know, I put Has together it not already. No, so not I, the I, music I, one. I put together like an outtakes clip from that whole recording session, and that's on the outtakes clip. Uh, and as a general rule, it's only like twelve minutes long, I think, but it's a pretty funny clip um, of the dipshittery that happened <laughs> while we were recording the commercials. There's a lot of that. There, there really was, it was a great and, deal. It was great too because we had a different mix of people. You know, we had some other friends stop by and do some recording there, so it really changed the dynamic. But it very quickly um, turned into quite the humor fest. Uh, it was great to have all that. It was a nightmare to edit, but it was well, a lot of fun yeah. to listen to. <laughs> a lot of fun in those sessions. That, that there were some <laughs> neat, neat ideas for those commercials and for the other PSAs and things. Well, you know, I think we've kind of covered chapter one, some of the things that happened there. We've covered some of the characters, but I'm also interested in hearing some of your rampant speculation on what you think is coming. 
uh, you know, give me some of those predictions. Uh, chapter two is coming this way. Uh, I have forewarned you, it's going to have a little different feel. It's uh, going to be its own little thing while the continuation of the story. But uh, what, what, what are the unanswered questions? What are the, uh, the things? Is it true we're moving to a diceless system? <laughs> Alder wins in a landslide. <laughs> is now all the election. Actually, so my um, popular uh, theorem is that uh, Hatham is actually going to be, um, it's, we're going to like meet some NPC and they're going to actually be like, oh my God, it's Hatham, the booty slayer. I never <laughs> thought we'd, we'd see him again. What, what did we say? Captain Fuckbeard? Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, wait, what? Yeah, this guy's wanted. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a serial killer on campus. I, I, <laughs> identified after all these years. Oh, I, I, I traveled abroad first semester and I might have been a pirate captain. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> did you take loans out for that? Yes, yes, I did. Hang on, let me get this note down. Um, <laughs> Ethan's looking in shock over here like they figured it out. They guessed it all. God damn it. We don't need to get the locks into your Google Drive. Where's we your, just know it ahead of time. Where's your 20-page document now, God? <laughs> you were thinking one step ahead. A shame we was thinking five. I, maybe like we can figure out some shit about this whole negative energy deal. Like, because yeah, clearly it's important to the story because you threw it in our face like 18 times. <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, with the theme, like, we'll deal with it later. Like, uh, you know, can I, quick, quick memory. <laughs> I, I was with somebody in the car uh, coming back from, from uh, Gen Con and he was listening to the podcast for the first time. It was a couple hours earlier. He was like, you guys have a podcast? I'm like, God damn it. How did you not fucking know that? <laughs> yes. And now we're going to listen to the whole damn thing on the way home. And hopefully he so, listened to this episode. Yeah, and yeah I hope so. That. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, I, I will just mention as far as the negative energy stuff that um, in retrospect, one of the funniest things, because the people were laughing out loud in the car was when we had that chain of undead. Guy. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. Uh, it's like one after, and we're all going down. You know, I was watching our hit point totals go down seven, <laughs> yeah. four, three. Which is funny now, but when we were level one, <laughs> and we yeah. were all exploding for yeah. like eight damage. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, this is TPKable yeah. right here. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he looks at me, he's like, you're, you're such a dumbass. <laughs> of course there's going to be a chain of that going on. And I'm like, yeah, I can't really argue with you about that. We should have been able to realize that would happen but anyway i'm sorry so <laughs> no. negative energy you were saying no i just yeah there's there's something there I, obviously there's a larger mystery and we have no libraries to go look at you yeah. know mm-hmm. i mean the priestess well, offered her right i was gonna say we to... have the one library with like all the fine print in the world but yeah i'd be interested in seeing because um in the one episode we really didn't talk about it much or we didn't even have the scene of we'll talk about it later it, the one where the it almost caused like an earthquake and the negative energy like kind of bursted out mm. and then collapsed back in. We never really talked about that. I, but I, I got a feeling that something more important is there. See, that was directly before we found the cultist, though, if I remember correctly, it, right? It, yeah, it was. Yeah. So it's either that's the direct correlation or that's some sort of thing that happens we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking there's a direct correlation because didn't we come across one kid dead already? Uh, yes, when you guys got to the cultists, there was already one dead child. Yeah, I believe that's, from I believe that's your correlation right there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if the towers won't end up being a little more significant like going forward, if there will be anything more related to them or more towers or... I, I don't know. I don't think a, a piece of fiction can work around two towers. I just don't think it's a good enough concept. Yeah, it's I gotta really, have the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah you be, gotta have that'd three. That'd be some pretty shit tier writing. Yeah, to be honest, just have two towers. Just had to up, you know, upsell the two towers once. No, I've got three towers. Oh yeah, Tolkien, I got three. <laughs> Checkmate. <And I'm> actually, <laughs> you dead best. And I'm actually going to explain what happens to my blue wizards. Oh, oh. That, oh, yeah! That you blue wizards. I'm, I'm gonna be like all Colbert in here. You bring that shit into my house? No, 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 no. <laughs> you want to throw down over Tolkien with me? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Should, uh, worth, <laughs> worth noting. <laughs> worth noting. Our, our GM is currently wearing a Mordor City Metalhead shirt. <laughs> so like, oh, he came prepared fuck, for I didn't that. Even shit. See that? Didn't get that? That's so. funny. Uh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, when when good nice. good catch there. Yeah, of bricks I, in Sam's mouth. I am a huge fan <laughs> of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you could edit that out. That's fine. <laughs> whole sequence frankly, just got nicked. Frankly, please do. <laughs> what? No clerks, two fans. <laughs> 
secret lovers. <laughs> yes, suddenly our uh, our token loving judge is, is no longer wanting to play this game. He, he appears to be vomiting in rage in the corner. Yep. This is a smile. This is a smile. The tears are in his eyes, though. No one knows what it's like to be he the sad man. So suddenly I feel like writing a new campaign with new players and... Okay, yeah, you might need another player. I, Gavin might suffocate laughing. I need, I need to loan Gavin clerks too, apparently. <laughs> you, you will find it to be maybe the funniest scene in all of when, when a Star Wars nerd and a Tolkien nerd go right at it. Like... <laughs> Brad's been waiting a long time to throw that one out. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, you should ask people at work. I really haven't. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, you know, it's one of those places where I hate to end it on that, but... Um, that, that, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else have anything to that, 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 that,